0: My name is Ed, and I'm one of the pastors here at Gateway, and I can't tell you how many times over the years that uh, Rob Showers or Jabin Bell or Dean Salami or my wife, Diane, have had to say to me, you're not in this by yourself, Ed. Uh, The problem is not yours to solve, this is God's. Plus, there's a whole bunch of people with you. And because I'm an idiot, I have needed every one of those coaching sessions. I have needed that reminder. I have needed that strengthening and encouraging word from God. Because God speaks through community. So that's what we want to do today. Um, That's part of what we want to cover. But before we get there, let's, let's mention a problem with hearing from God that we haven't hit on yet, and then let's do a quick review of what we talked about last week and then we'll end by offering up two vehicles that God uses to speak to us. Uh, We'll end with how he speaks to us through community. Welcome to our fourth conversation about hearing from God. So let me open us in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much that your spirit lives in our body and that you communicate yourself to us. You communicate direction. You communicate encouragement. You instruct. You train us up so that we can live and love more effectively like Jesus. You make us more like yourself. And this morning we welcome that. Uh, Speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen okay so let's start with a problem why don't we hear from god what about when we don't hear from god when we're trying to make a decision and we get no clear direction or we're convinced we need god to step into some difficulty in our lives and nothing happens or we're in a dark place emotionally or spiritually and and we're desperate for a word of life or a word of purpose and heaven is silent, or we're just doing normal life, and there just doesn't seem to be any reminder that there's anything more out there. What about that? Well, two weeks ago here, as part of these conversations, I talked about the two primary impediments to hearing from God. The two primary impediments to hearing from God, first and foremost, sin is an impediment to hearing God's voice, and secondly, clinging to our own agendas. I want this to happen can be an impediment to hearing God's voice. Well, someone reminded me that some of us would hear that message two weeks ago and assume that we're not hearing from God, either because we're in sin and therefore an awful person, or because we're clinging to our own agenda and therefore we're an awful person. In other words, not only am I not hearing from God, but now I feel shame about it. So let me correct that impression. While our sin and our agendas are always an impediment to hearing God's voice, the reverse is not necessarily true. His apparent silence does not mean that we are sinning or clinging to some idol. Let me repeat. His apparent silence does not mean that we are necessarily sinning or clinging to some idol. We may be, but not necessarily. Genesis 17 begins like this. Listen to this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, God speaking to Abram, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant with you and greatly increase your numbers. What Genesis 17 doesn't say is that that was 13 years after Genesis 16. And there's no indication that God had communicated himself to Abram during any of that time. Plus, there's no indication that Abram's life was dominated by sin. This is just the first of many, many biblical examples like this. And we always scoop past these incidences when when we read them. We we, we kind of skip right over the 10 years or the 12 years or the, the 30 years of challenge or difficulty or silence. This also helps explain why there are so many psalms that talk about waiting on the Lord. Because there are seasons in which he seems to be silent. Now, I'm not going to answer this question fully this morning. We could spend weeks on the silence of God, and, and it would be well spent. Honestly, part of our lives is defined by how we respond to periods of challenge and periods of God's apparent silence. It's a thing, and we all experience it. In fact, the Apostle Paul indicated that we will experience this until we see him face-to-face. But I do want to respond to the potential shame in a case like this, in case any of you experience that. Number one, I want to say, even if the problem is your sin or clinging to your own agenda, if that's the reason that you're not hearing from God, that doesn't mean you're an awful person. Let's let God put an end to shame in our lives. This is a shame-free zone. If you're clinging to your own agenda or you're clinging to some sin pattern, that puts you squarely in the same company with every other person who's ever lived on the planet. Now, you're not in a good place and you need to do some work, but you're in pretty good company and it doesn't mean you're an awful person. Your spiritual life is a learning zone, not a shame zone. Secondly, God concerning God's apparent silence. While it's true that God seems to be silent at times, it's also true his apparent silence is sometimes because of our unwillingness or inability or inexperience in listening to him. I'm going to say that again. His apparent silence is sometimes because of our unwillingness or our inability or or our inexperience in listening to him. And that's the part that we're addressing through these conversations in these five weeks. Okay, so uh, let's kick off this morning really by reviewing last week. Last week we, talked, we asked, how does God speak to us? And, and uh, we began with really the beginning point. Now look, it's, it's been helpful for me to organize God's communication to me in kind of two categories. There's external communication, that's communication outside of my own internal processes. And then there's, there's internal communication, how he communicates himself within my own internal processes. And communication vehicle number one for God is an external form of communication, it is the Bible, This is, in fact, his primary means of communication. Rowan Williams was right when he said, Christians read the Bible not as a document from history, but as a world into which they enter so that God may meet them. Now, we admitted last week that the Bible can be a difficult world to enter sometimes. So don't feel guilty about your difficulty with reading or understanding the Bible, but don't use that as an excuse. And we do excuse ourselves, don't we? Did you know that Bible sales soared during the COVID pandemic? And I I read a few articles in the early months of COVID that suggested that that was just one important indication of how this was going to be. This is going to be the beginning of a quiet revival in America. But surveys conducted later in the COVID period revealed that while sales of the Bible soared, actual readership of it declined. (laughs) That means the result is... 79% of American homes own at least one copy of a physical Bible, but only 9% read it regularly. That led the pollster George Gallup to say this in summary, we revere the Bible, we don't read it. It's the best-selling, least-read book in America. If this is God's primary means of communicating himself with us, then that may explain part of why we don't hear from him more. Okay, that's where we began last week, and that sets us up today to discuss two more external vehicles through which God communicates himself. These are external vehicles outside of our own internal processes through which God communicates himself, and then next week, we'll talk about our own internal processes. Okay, first, which is actually second, God communicates himself through circumstances, circumstances. God is involved in every circumstance in our lives, always moving, always communicating himself. Just think of the many biblical examples that illustrate how God uses circumstance to communicate himself. Circumstances dictated that Moses would be set adrift in the Nile River, and it was there that he was found by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in Pharaoh's court, and that resulted in, in Moses being the kind of person that could be used for God's great purposes. In the book of Acts, God spoke to the early church by using political and social circumstances. The circumstances around them moved them. In Acts 1, Jesus clearly told them the scope of their ministry. He said, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and and, and Judea and Samaria and and to the outermost parts of the earth. But that was wildly outside of their comfort zone, even Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a stretch for most of these Galileans. So they had no concept of how or why they should go to the rest of the world with this message. So God spoke through the circumstances of persecution. And he scattered the citizens of Jerusalem and the church and they carried with them the gospel, the story of Jesus' death, uh, death and resurrection to a larger audience throughout the world. And, and throughout the Bible, we find God speaking to people through circumstances like Special favor in 1 Samuel chapter 1 or personal loss in Ruth chapter 1 or through miraculous deliverances in Acts 23, God speaking through circumstances. Jesus, in fact, told his disciples to pay attention to circumstances when he sent them out as his interns. And Matthew 10 records this incident. Pete, bring up that scripture if you would. Look at this real quickly. In other words... What Jesus is saying here is, pay attention to how the people around you respond. This will indicate to you how you should respond. God would use their circumstances to direct their ministry. God is involved in any and every circumstance of our lives, always moving, always communicating himself to us. That means our circumstances are another means of hearing from God. So the question becomes, how do we evaluate our circumstances in order to know what God is saying? How do we hear the voice of God out of our circumstances? And it turns out, that can be really tricky. (laughs) I I heard a great illustration of this. A couple weeks ago, I heard a podcast by John Piper. And a missionary couple had written in to Piper with a question about God leading through their circumstances, their funding had dried up or was drying up. And they wrote Piper, you know, essentially asking, does this mean that we need to leave the mission field and come back home? And Piper, I think, wisely advised them to be careful, to wait on God and to listen through this and to make sure that they're getting their circumstances right. And I like this. He suggested that, that this circumstance could could mean at least three things from the hand of God. One, they might need to change their fundraising strategy. Two, uh, it might be a test of faith for them. Or three, indeed, it could mean that God wanted them to come home from the mission field. Evaluating circumstances can be tricky. So let me, if I can, this morning offer... Five helpful guidelines in evaluating our circumstances. And we're going to have some time at the end today to do some lab work with this. Uh, Guideline number one, evaluate your circumstances in light of God's word. As we said last week and again a moment ago, God will never say something to you that is inconsistent with his commands or his character as it is revealed in the Bible. Number two, evaluate your circumstances in light of his plan. You have this in the program, by the way. He has a plan for you. There are good things for you to do, Ephesians 2.10. Have those things in mind as you think about your circumstance. What is, how has God moved in your life? How do these circumstances align with that? Three, evaluate your circumstances in light of godly counsel. Objectively and wisely assessing our circumstances can be tricky, even dangerous. We must seek wise counsel, Proverbs 15, 22. It is a God-given safeguard. Number four, evaluate your circumstances with emotional and spiritual objectivity. Do as much as you can to remove your clinging hands and allow God to speak freely. Number five, your circumstances may be clear. This is just a summary of the other four, really. The interpretation is not. Look for corroboration and confirmation. From his word, from counsel, from your own spirit. This is in your program, these guidelines. God speaks through our circumstances. Let's be listening and evaluating with wisdom and patience. Waiting on the Lord. All right. Another external means through which God communicates himself to us is finally community. God speaks through community. Again, God speaks outside of our internal processes through the Bible, through circumstances, and through community. Every Tuesday night for years, my cul-de-sac was filled with the cars of men who were coming to Jan and Mary Ann's house who live at the end of my cul-de-sac for a small group. That group majored on the kind of accountability that would literally change many of their lives. As best I can tell, uh, it really amounted to not letting one another blame their bad decisions or their bad behavior on their circumstances or on their wives. It was was all about taking responsibility and waiting on God. Twice a year, Jan and Tom Bellino, who was the other leader of this group, would host what they called a graduation night. (laughs) And they would invite the wives of the men who were married to come to the group, and usually they invited Diane and me. We lived a couple of houses down. The men would go around the circle at this graduation night and talk about what they had learned from the few previous months, and it was utterly amazing. And almost every time there would be a wife or seven who also wanted to say something and talk about Thank the group for the effect that the group had had on their husbands. God speaks through community. We're not in this by ourselves. The problem is not ours to solve, this is God's. Plus, there are a whole bunch of people with us. This is why we are so often instructed in the Bible to encourage one another and teach one another and instruct one another and correct one another because God speaks through community. And to get an idea of why this is so important, I want you to listen for a second to the so-thats. The so-thats of community in the Bible. There are a lot, but I just want to give you three. Flash these up for me if you would, Pete. Let's start with Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, which is pretty much every day so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Evidently, this business of us keeping our hearts soft, evidently, this business of us not being deceived by our own behavior, evidently, that's a community project. Evidently, we can't do that ourselves. Evidently, we need others speaking into us. How about Ephesians 4, 11 through 13? Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, To equip God's people for works of service so that these gifts have been given. Gifts have been given to the body so that the body might be built up, all of us individually and all of us corporately, uh, until we reach unity in the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I want to be part of that. That's a community project. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're a chosen people. You're not just a person it's not just you and Jesus you're a chosen people you are a royal priesthood you're not just a priest and that's amazing to those of you who grew up Episcopalian or Catholic many of you did you're a priest but you're not just a priest you are a priesthood you're part of a you're part of a posse so God's special possession and that's a corporate that's corporate in the Greek that's that's uh, communal, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Evidently, even this business of telling the world the good news that we know, that's a community project. We do that together. One of the ways we do that is someone who has, who's far from God's love comes here on Sunday morning and they look around at all of you and they say, wow, what in the, how are all these people together? Well, well, what would bring this ragtag group of people together. God speaks through community. That means we have to be connected to community. That's why we talk so much about community here at Gateway. That's why we talk so much about small groups. We're not just trying to steal another night of the week from you. Listen to our mission statement as a church. We exist to be used by God. God to draw others into authentic Christian community. That's why God put us here. We don't apologize for trying to facilitate connections at Gateway. We want to make it hard for you not to connect to one another. These connections are a source of life for all of us. They are necessary for all of us. We were made for this, all of us. Those connections are a vital means of hearing from God. We have to be connected. Secondly, this also means we have to be listening to our community. We have to be actively listening to our community. This is not a practice that typical suburban Americans undertake. We don't have time, and our lives are too private. We drive home at the end of the day, we open the garage, we drive in, we close the garage. And we're hoping that none of our neighbors are outside walking their dog. Our family moved to Northern Virginia in 1996, when Tim's job brought him to the area. That's Terry talking. We left Dallas, Texas with heavy hearts. Not only had we left family and friends, but we'd also met and married in Dallas. Our two children were born there. It had been our home for many years. Just another obnoxious Texan, in my opinion. When we left Texas and moved, our plan was to stay for two years in the spring of 1997. We had the first of many opportunities to go home to Dallas. We had prayed for this, but now that we were actually faced with it, the decision wasn't as cut and dried as we'd envisioned it would be. We were now part of a small group of people doing a study on Christian community, and we felt called to start a church. For the first time, we were beginning to really understand how God created us to live in community with others as we began to try to live that decision out, we realized we could no longer make a decision that impacted the community without asking them to be part of the process. So after talking with the church start pastor and his wife Ed and Diane Allen, spending time in prayer on our on our own and with close friends, we shared with our small group the opportunity, in quotation marks, to move. We told them the story, we told them the story, shared what the struggle was and asked for their prayers. They took time that night in the small group to pray for us and over us. It was a very moving time with the group. Over the next six weeks, the group continued to pray for us as we struggled with the decision. During this time, we realized from our growing connections through community, from Bible study and from prayer, that we were called to community with this group of people at what would soon be named Gateway Church. It wasn't located where we thought we wanted to be, but it was exactly where God called us to be. Our two year plan turned into a 20 plus year God plan for our lives. God's called a community for our lives with this group of people has forever changed how we live and relate to Him and to those around us. God speaks through community. That means we have to be invested, it also means we have to listen to our community. Are you invested anywhere this way? Are you listening anywhere this way? There is a, uh, all God's people said, except they, they were very energetic. They didn't sound like they were energetic, but they were. Uh, there, there's a, uh, look, let's do some lab work. Um, uh, you, you were given a program when you came in this morning. We tried to do this each, each week during this series. We wanted to do some lab work of actually experimenting with, with listening to God, not just uh, as an audience, but as a participant. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity now for a few minutes. I'm gonna ask the worship team if they would come, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity for a few minutes to just spend some time you reflecting and listening. There are three possibilities for this, and you are invited to any one or all of them. First of all, uh, you're invited up to the communion station. Okay, this is a a table of remembrance, a table of mercy. We're invited to remember Jesus, to reflect on his death and his resurrection. We've done this each week during this series and again today. You will come as you feel led. You'll grab a, a piece of bread, And then you'll grab a cup from one of the trays on the side or up here up front. And you'll return to your seat and spend a moment reflecting. Reflecting on him. Reflecting on what he's done for you and what he's doing through you. And this morning, I want you to reflect in particular to his body that's now spread abroad. It's us. So as you take that body, I want you to think about your participation in his body. And then drink his blood. A second station that I want you to invite you to today, and this is a different one for us today. We have in the back corner a giving station. And I want you to think, I want us to think of giving as an act of worship because it is. Is there something you need to give today in response to our time together? Is there something you need to offer? Is there something you need to give up? Is there an impediment that you need to give up? Is there some... Way that you need to offer yourself and step in more fully. Your, your presence needs to be felt more. Your, the weight of you needs to be felt more fully here because you've got something to offer. You're one of those people that needs to be operating on this side of the so that. In the back of the room, there are there are note cards and pens. I'd like for you to go back and and make your offering and put it in the basket. If you say something embarrassing, either use code or fold your paper up really small. Uh, you can, otherwise, you write it out, you drop it in the basket. There's also a place back there to give a physical monetary offering as well, if you would like to do that today. A check or money. Uh, we, we give at Gateway because we serve a give first God. So part of the way we worship is by giving of our, our money to corporately what we believe God has called us to do. So giving station, the communion station, and finally, there is in your program under the going deeper section, I've listed out that uh, evaluation of circumstances, and I would encourage you to take a few minutes this morning and tee that up for yourself for another time later this week to, to, to identify a circumstance in your life and, and walk through this evaluation process. God's involved in every decision. That means our circumstances another means of hearing. How do we evaluate, hear God's voice? I'd like for you to, to the, the five evaluation uh, guidelines are listed there. And then it says, let's evaluate our circumstances right now. Think of a decision that you need to make or a relationship issue that you're involved with or a change that is happening or has just happened. What do the circumstances around you tell you about what God wants you to do in that? I want you to try that this morning. So uh, in whatever order you want, you've been given three opportunities to step into allowing him to speak to you this morning. I'm going to pray for us. And then you're released for 10 minutes to participate however you're led this morning. Remember, this is lab work. Except for this lab work, you don't even need a partner. Well, you have one. It's you and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, you're in heaven. We're also persuaded that you're here with us. Holy and set apart and awesome is your name. We pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in us through our circumstances through our day today this week through this church through our families even as it is in heaven lord we are we are focused on our immediate need because we know you provide give us today forgive us We've had complaints against you that issue from our own negligence often. Lord, we're also holding on to things against others, and we release that. We forgive them as well. Lead us not into our temptation but deliver us and help us to walk into the freedom of your life and your light.